Welcome back to the Chris Gates Fitness Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. In this episode, I got to sit down with Jordan Syatt. I was really excited about it. He is a really influential uh, person in the fitness industry. Uh, Jordan has helped thousands of people get happier and healthier. Uh, He actually helps coaches as well. He helps coaches get better at their craft so that they can help more people. And for me personally, Jordan has helped me a ton to uh, really transform my business and be a better coach coach to my clients. So uh, like I said, I was super excited to have Jordan on. A few of the things we talk about in this episode, we talk about uh, transitioning into parenthood. That's something Jordan is preparing for. How to balance fitness and nutrition and and your goals amidst that transition. Um, Advice for parents who struggle to find time for their fitness goals. We talk about that. Uh, Jordan also detailed some of the things he's been learning about cardio. We outlined some uh, really actionable steps that you can take to work yourself towards better heart health. And some of his tips are actually kind of not what you would probably hear in the mainstream, in the fitness industry, the things that get promoted about doing cardio. Um, Jordan actually tells you a lot of what you can take advantage of and really truly improve your heart health. Uh, Jordan also talked about some things he's currently pushing back on in the fitness industry. Uh, We talk about cardio there. We also talk about things like sugar and fruit and what you should or should not eat to make progress. Um, And we also dive into some fun things like our absolute favorite moments of the TV show, The Office. So um, there's tons of information in the show notes to follow Jordan and learn more about him and what he does. If you can, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review. And lastly, I'm a coach. If you're interested in getting some coaching to help you achieve your fitness goals, I would love to talk to you. There's an application link in the show notes that you can apply for coaching. We could talk about your goals. So with that, I'm excited for you to listen to my discussion with Jordan Syatt. Let's dive in. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for uh, giving me a little bit of your time. I'm super stoked to to talk to you. And um, I guess, you know, before we dive into everything, uh, could you just take a second, introduce yourself uh, if there's anybody out there that's not familiar with you? Yeah, sure. I'm a short, bald, really nerdy dude (laughs) who likes to lift weights and, uh, and that's pretty much it. (laughs) <laughs> right on, right on. <laughs> um, well, Jordan is, uh, J- Jordan has been, um, immensely helpful to me as a coach. Um, so I'm super excited to have him on the podcast just to kind of chop it up and talk about a bunch of different stuff. Um, but, uh, it- like as I was putting through, putting down the topics of what I wanted to kind of run through today, it's just all over the place. And those are my favorite episodes to do. So we'll see where this takes us. Um, But first of all, I uh, wanted to congratulate you because I know you just announced that uh, you're expecting a baby here. So that's awesome. Congrats, man. Thank you. Thank you, man. I appreciate that a lot. Thank you so much. How has it been lately? Just kind of letting friends and family know, like, what, what has that all been like for you? Uh, it's been good, man. I mean, so we found out in early December on December 9th and I'm, I try and be very open on my social media. And so that was actually very difficult for me to not share until this point. Um, but just sharing with friends and family was, was great. It was exciting, but also, you know, nerve wracking because like, you don't want to jinx anything, right. You just never know what's going to happen. And, and especially like, you know, especially now with social media and and people being more open and honest about miscarriages and stuff, you actually realize it's very common. And so, so just like, I, my mind always goes like worst case scenario for better or worse. So I'm just like, 
that's all I was thinking about. I was just so worried about that for the whole first trimester. And to get to the point where we got the call the other day and they're like, it looks like the baby's very healthy and all that. Like you can announce it safely. It's just a big relief to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. That's, um, it's just, you know, kind of like the longer it goes, the longer you get into it, the more, um, you feel confident about telling more people. And then, mm. you know, the deeper you get into it, like second trimester, third trimester, health of the baby, just the more positive news you get, the more confident you get about uh, sharing it and stuff. So, yeah, um, I'm at a point now where I want to make an announcement and just be like, if you give me any unsolicited parenting advice, I'm going to block you immediately. <laughs> like, like I'm just, cause I'm, I'm on the verge where people are starting to say, you should do this and you should do this. And I just want to be like, <laughs> If you give me any, uh, like, I don't care if you think it's good or not. If you give me any advice, I'm blocking you immediately. Like, I don't want to hear your shit. <laughs> yeah, dude. No, that's so funny. I had on here, like, I wanted to ask you, okay, you made that announcement. Like, what type of advice have you been getting? Because there, that, that is the, that, that's the first thing that happens. You tell people, and then all the parents out there want to tell you, like, what shit you should be concerned about. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, so... It's, it's not even as of right now for, I guarantee you when, when the baby's born and all that, like when people will be commenting on the food that we're giving the baby and all, I guarantee that will be happening or like different, like, I don't know if we're doing activities, like they shouldn't be doing that, whatever it is. I'm sure that will come, but someone literally just messaged me. Cause there, someone said, do you want a boy or a girl? And I just said, I want a healthy baby that, that doesn't like that sleeps really well and doesn't have big diaper blowouts. That's what I said. <laughs> and, and most of the responses, people are laughing and da, da, da. But one person was like, you know, you shouldn't say you want a healthy baby. Cause that's not fair to someone who doesn't have a healthy baby. And I just want to block you like, shut up. Oh. Even someone who, who didn't have, was who didn't like give birth to a healthy baby guarantee. They still would have said, I wish I had a healthy baby. Like it would have been way better for everybody. So right. it's just like that stupid nonsense like that. I just want, right, I'm going to block you if you say that. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's annoying. I, I, I feel like there's a lot of that just like projecting like other parents projecting whatever they got going on onto you when people when parents talk to other parents about parenting it's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. so like what i and i know you didn't ask for my advice the advice i always give parents especially when they announce like we're gonna have our first kid is pay as little attention as possible to the shit that other people say <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like the best advice someone said is the best parenting advice is ignore all the other parenting advice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Cause like, I was so sick of hearing about how I'm never going to sleep and hearing about the kid cries all the time and all the diapers are going to be the worst and you this and that and the other thing. It's just like, I mean, you, you could also share the things that you enjoy about it. Why are you <laughs> choosing to tell me this stuff? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so. you have one or two kids right now. You have two. Uh, two. You had your second, right? Yeah, we just had our second daughter. Uh, Congrats, name, man! Thanks, thanks. Uh, she is a week and a half old. So, um, and how, how is she? Everything good? Everything's great. Happy, healthy, um, pooping, crying, doing all the stuff she's supposed to do. So it's great. Good. I love it. <laughs> Huge congrats. That's amazing. Thanks, man. Thanks. Um, but uh, yeah, it was funny because, like, selfishly, I wanted to ask you some questions about, like, because I mean, you've you've worked with so many people. Uh, you've obviously worked with, uh, I'm sure, tons of parents, and there are different st 
struggles and, and, and hurdles that they've had to overcome and deal with. Um, so selfishly going into this, I was like, well, I just had a kid. So I want to ask Jordan some things to, you know, see yeah, if, if I can fine tune it. But now, but then you, right before we recorded, you know, the other day you announced that you're having a kid. So I was like, <laughs> all right, sweet. We're in this together. It's a little bit different, you know? Yeah, man. A hundred percent. But so I was curious to know, just like, um, on your end for, for, for yourself, uh, you know, knowing that you got a, a baby coming and, and I don't know, five, six months, however long it is, um, has that caused you to kind of approach things any differently with your own training or your own nutrition, just knowing like, Hey, you know, coming down the pike here, there's a, there's a huge life event coming and it's mm. obviously going to change some of your routines and your lifestyle habits. Uh, I was just curious if, if you've done anything on your end as that, uh, as you're kind of anticipating that, you know, it's, uh, it's a great question. I think my mindset shift has had really been geared towards that even before I found out that we were going to have a baby where I was like, I was past the point in my life of wanting to be super jacked or wanting to be super lean and, and past the point in my life, of really caring what other people think. I was, I really just care about my health at this point. So focusing on my blood pressure, focusing on my heart health, focusing like actually going to the doctor for checkups, like they, making sure I'm being checked out. You know, when I'm in my mid early mid twenties, I never went to the doctor. And, and now, yeah. you know, I go to the doctor, I get checked up on, I get my labs done. I get all this done. I'm going to, to work out for my health, not just because I want bigger biceps, like, and not that you can't have both, but it's more just my mindset has been much more focused on longevity than it ever has before. Uh, and that goes for my workouts. And then also, finding more just time for, for balance and time for enjoyment and family. And in the moment, as opposed to just grinding, 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 uh, which I spent so much of the last 12 years or so doing ever since I started my online business now, just, you know, just outside on the couch, right before the podcast, I was taking a nap with my wife, right. It was just like, just relaxing in the middle of the day. It was like where I never would have done that before. Just yeah. where like now just to take in the moment and relax and enjoy. So thinking more about, I want to be able to coach my kids' sports teams, or I want to be able to go to the, if they're an actor, I want to be able to go to their plays and theater and all of that, like whatever it is they do, I want to be present for that. Yeah. That's awesome. I hear you on that too. Like, um, I feel like, I don't, you know, the last couple of years have been so weird with COVID and how it's mm. impacted everybody's lives. But I, I actually feel like maybe, uh, from a parenting aspect, uh, a potential positive of just is maybe that, you know, so many people have been moved into a flexible work arrangement or a work from home mm. arrangement. And that just provides more family time, which, yeah. um, you know, I, I, and it, for, for me, like we've only had babies during COVID. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the, uh, what like, oh, it's what, so funny. You've got two COVID babies. That's funny. Yeah. You know, what's upsetting too, is like when, when we were in the hospital for the delivery before my, my daughter, uh, her, her name is Charlotte, who was just delivered before Charlotte, uh, before Charlotte arrived, we were talking about like, yeah, how many, how many kids do you want to have? We were like, well, yeah, you know, it'd be really cool if we could have like a non-pandemic baby. <laughs> and the doctor was in there like, yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the doctor just sees this being stretched out, huh? Like, yeah, going, yeah. yeah. Is it yeah. ever going to end type of thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. But, um, but yeah, so I don't know what it was, you know, I've never parented in like the, Hey, yeah, you got to drive to and from work and deal with the commute and all that stuff. And then like also try and find time to 
be there at your kids games and like pick them up from school if they need to and all that type of stuff. So, um, kind of, I don't know, maybe a little silver lining of everything that's been going on is just that like, hopefully people have more time to do that. And then, um, maybe with that flexibility, have more time to also kind of prioritize their own health, because I, I would assume, um, one of the biggest struggles for parents is probably a, a time thing, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's the biggest struggle for basically everybody, right? Yeah. Like time for no matter what. And even if time isn't really a struggle for them, they think it's a struggle for them. Like I know <laughs> I have, I, have, I mean, not, I don't really work with college kids anymore, but when I was younger and I worked with a lot of college kids, they'd be like, Oh, I just have no time. And I'd be like, do you ever take naps in the middle of the day? And they'd be like, yeah. I'd be like, then you don't have an issue with time. <laughs> like, like, like I was just taking a nap with my wife. Granted, she's in her first trimester. She's exhausted. But like, I was like, I'm going to take a nap with her. And clearly time is not an issue for me. If I have the time to take a nap in the middle of the day, I, I can, there's, it's a prioritization thing, not an right. actual time issue. Right. Right. So is that like, if, you know, if you, for parents that you've worked with in the past, is that kind of one of the first things you try and dig into is like, okay, you've got a time issue, but where are areas that we can kind of carve out some opportunities? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's figuring out where they can carve out the opportunity, but also figuring out like, especially with, with mothers, I mostly work with women. Uh, so a lot of the mothers who they really struggle to prioritize themselves. And it, again, it's like not even always a time issue as much as it is like, they focus so much on providing for everyone else mm. that they don't end up prioritizing themselves. So then from there, it's like, okay, so we like, you know, you want to prioritize yourself, you know, you need to, which is why you reached out to me for coaching. So how can, where can we fit this in? And I don't care if it's 15 to 20 minutes or an hour, let's figure out where we can fit this in. Let's figure out where we can fit in better nutritional habits, better sleep habits, better workout. Let's focus on one thing at a time and figure out where we can fit this in. Because once they realize that it is, it really does come down to a prioritization thing, then they can start, you know, working with their spouse to figure out, okay, you know, I need you three times a week to take the kids at this time, or we need to invest in a sitter or a nanny at this time, or whatever it is, we need to figure something out to make sure that this priority can happen. And, you know, I think usually the, the biggest roadblock is just taking that first step. No matter what the first step is, there's always initial friction when you're doing something you've never done before. There's a learning curve to it. You've got to reach out to other people. You've got to do some research. You've got to take time just to make this thing happen. So it's really just setting the steps out, laying them out in front of them to be like, okay, this is what I need to do to make it happen. Is it hard to um, convince folks that like a, a 15 to 20 minute workout is worth it? Oh yeah. Yeah. People don't believe it. Just like people don't believe that walking is, is beneficial. Like people think like, what's the point of walking? Meanwhile, a meta analysis just recently came out showing that walking is one of the, the greatest predictors of all cause mortality, like in terms of how long you'll live, like the number of steps you take is actually a greater predictor than if you smoke or not, which is just unbelievable. Right. So, so yeah, people for 15 to 20 minutes, people think, well, what's the point when the reality is getting in 15 to 20 minutes really is, is infinitely better than doing nothing at all. I've always used the, the, the phrase, if you, if you uh, were driving your car and you ha- only had like a quarter of a, of a gas tank left, you wouldn't, you wouldn't not drive it to a near ga- to the nearest gas station just because you only had a quarter of a tank left. You'd be like, no, like I've got to get there. So you get there and then you fill it back up. Same thing. It's like, if you only had 
15 minutes to work out. You're not just not going to do anything with it. You're going to use the 15 minutes the best you can and then, and then get on your way. And if it's only 15 minutes that day, that's fine. Yeah. 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 The walking thing is interesting um, too. I, I heard you talking about that on your podcast with Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I looked into it. I read the, the stronger by science article about that study um, and yeah, I mean, it's just amazing to see kind of a very clear linear association between walking and how, and I feel like that, that is going to be so helpful to explain to, you know, clients when I say walking is part of your cardio for your program to say, well, there's yeah. a, here is very, very direct evidence of, of why we're doing this and, and how impactful it can be. Um, cause I don't, you know, I, I've all, I think we, we've probably both always said the same thing about walking where it's like, it's the most accessible form of exercise you could probably for pretty much everybody. And it's super impactful, but I think like there's probably this thought that if I'm not breaking a sweat or if I'm not, you know, peeling myself up off the floor that I'm not making the progress that I should be, which is unfortunate. Yeah. People think that they, their heart needs to be beating out of their chest. They've been led to believe that they need to do these high intensity interval training workouts, which aren't bad, but they're not necessary. And you yeah. can actually get actually more benefits from not doing those so consistently. Never like, never mind the injury risk associated with those, with those types of workouts. Never mind the lack of accessibility for those workouts. Like your, your newly, your, your newly postpartum wife isn't going to go right into a hit workout. That's not, <laughs> that makes no sense. That's stupid. My pregnant wife is not going to go into a hit workout. Someone who's severely overweight is not going to start off with a hit workout. The, the hit workouts are for a, such a small percentage of the already fit and healthy population. And someone who has really bad knees or joints or ankles or hips or whatever, shouldn't be doing really intense hit workouts. It's such a small percentage of the population who can actually do them safely. When the reality is it, taking all of that out of the equation, assuming everybody could do hit workouts. If you actually look at the heart and how it's impacted by high intensity versus lower intensity cardio, you actually get more benefits and you have more room to improve your heart with lower intensity cardio, like walking. You've been talking about cardio a lot lately, which has been super interesting. Um, for me to kind of follow along and just kind of, I mean, you've talked a bit about zones, you've talked a bit about heart health. And and I was curious if, you know, kind of just to piggyback off of what you said um, just now, could you dive into some of that? Just like, you know, what you've been promoting lately about the benefits of cardio. And I guess maybe it's always helpful for it to just be like practical and actionable. Like what practical actionable things should people be trying to do with cardio? Yeah. Yeah. So, so in terms of zones, there are different zones of cardio and depending on who you're reading or who you're talking to, some people will say there's five zones. Some people say there's six, some people might even say there's, there's seven for the sake of this discussion. We'll call it five. That's generally how I separate the zones, but zone one is just, it's just like very easy. Like you're not out of breath. You could do it for hours at a time with literally no issue whatsoever. Um, for one person, let's say for someone who is very overweight and, and sedentary and doesn't do very much by the time they start walking that they might already be out of zone one, you know, like they like, it might be so difficult for them that maybe that's already zone two, zone three. Right. Yeah, yeah. Whereas someone who's very, very fit, they could be walking maybe even like, like sort of fast paced walking and be in zone one. Right. Yeah, so so it, the- de- it, it depends on your level of conditioning. Yeah. 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 Uh, zone two is 
obviously the next up from level from zone one. And this is actually where we see some of the most important benefits for cardiovascular health. Um, I'll go more into it in, in a bit, but zone two is, is where you get some of the most important benefits from it's actually stressing your heart. It makes your heart work harder, but it also allows your heart to fill up the most and get a greater capacity of blood to fill it, which is super, super important for your overall longevity and heart health. Um, from a practical perspective, to know that you're in zone two is one of the best ways that I've learned from a guy named Alex Viata is using something called the talk test, which is basically in zone one, you can talk without any issues whatsoever. Like you could talk and it's, you don't even, the person on the other side of the phone doesn't even realize that you're, that you're doing anything. Zone two, you could say about 12 to 15 words before you get out of, out of breath a little bit. Okay. Okay. The talk test is where it's like, you can string about 12 to 15 words together, but then you might need to do a, and then you can start talking again. Right. Right. If it's, if you start losing your breath at around like five, six, seven words, you're probably closer to zone three. So, so you can always tell if you're in zone two or zone three or zone one, based on that talk test, if, if just simply, you don't even need a heart rate monitor. You don't need any of that. Just like, if you can do 12 to 15 words, you're probably in zone two. If you can do way more than that, you're probably in zone one. And if you can do less than that, you're in zone three or above, um, Zone three and zone four, they're, there's, they're very similar. You're just, you're increasing the, the intensity of your workout of the exercise. Uh, zone five is the zone three, zone four. They're not really sexy or marketable. You know, the fitness industry runs on a pendulum of extremes. Really. It's like you go to zone five, which is where you get orange theory and you get these Barry's boot camp and these hit classes where it's like high intensity, get your heart rate up as high as possible. And zone five is just, you, you, you can't talk. You cannot have a conversation. You cannot, uh, maintain that level of output for more than maybe 20 seconds max. It's just, it's, it's excruciating. It's very, very difficult. Um, now there's a time and a place for that level of training. It's not for people who are sedentary. It's not for people who are, who are new to working out. It's for people who are already very, very fit, but you shouldn't do it more than once or twice a week at most. And, and a lot of people who do this type of training, they do it four or five, six times a week because they think that this is inherently superior when it's really not. Mm -hmm. And sort of to get to the, one of the most important points that I learned is that a lot of people think this zone five, the super high level cardiac output training is the best because they think it's the healthiest for your heart. But one of the reasons zone two is so healthy for your heart is because number one, you're stressing your heart. You're, it's a little bit more difficult than zone one. So you're getting that actual uh, stress response like you need to put on any muscle in order for it to get stronger. So the heart, the, the stronger it is, the better it can pump out blood through your body. That's the job of the heart to pump right. blood through your body, body. But the other aspect is, with zone three, zone four, zone five, usually you're 150 beats per minute or above for your heart rate. The issue is if the heart is beating too quickly, 150 beats a minute or more on average, it is not giving it enough time to fully expand to get as much blood in it as possible. Mm. Zone two, which again, it changes per individual where your heart rate is going to be, but we'll call it somewhere between like 115 to 135 beats per minute on average. With that amount of, of, uh, of heart rate, or that speed of a heart rate, it's beating more quickly, but it's not beating so quickly that it can't fully expand. And when you allow your heart to fully expand with blood, you get a much better expansive blood. You can get flush more blood throughout your body with each single pump. And that's what can lead to a lower resting heart rate, which is a really good uh, indicator of health, a healthy heart, where if you're just sitting down and your heart is beating a hundred times a minute, it's working very, very difficult and very, very hard in order to pump your blood into your body. But if you're, if you're sitting down in your body, if your heart's pumping 50 times a minute, 
that's a really good indicator that your heart is more efficient and doesn't need to beat as much. So that is why zone two is so much more beneficial in terms of what you can do on a regular basis, because it actually leads to a greater outcome in both the, what the heart can do from a strength perspective and also from a capacity perspective. Gotcha. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, you know, uh, with all those zones being relative, is it, is it like, can we pinpoint any forms of cardio that generally speaking for most people would probably, if you're doing this, get you in that zone two range? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I'll give you an example. When I first started doing zone two, I would be on the treadmill and I would have no incline on the treadmill. And at about a speed of three, I would find myself in zone two using my heart rate monitor. Um, the cool thing about this is you cardio, you see much faster improvements with cardio than you do with strength training. Like your cardio improves very, very quickly, which is awesome. So within a matter of a couple of months, I went from no incline speed of three to an incline of two speed of 5.3. And now I'm still in zone two, which, which means my heart rate is staying around the same zone or it's around the same range, yeah. even though the intensity of my exercise is significantly higher, which is a great indicator that my heart's becoming more efficient. I'm still essentially before I was doing just a sort of a fast paced walk. Now I'm doing a, a little bit of a lower intensity jog, Okay, but that's where I am. So somewhere between slightly fast paced walking and low intensity jogging is where most people will find themselves in zone two. Gotcha. Gotcha. And yeah, and that's still a way to apply it relative to each person because fast paced walking for one person might be a different pace than fast paced walking for somebody else. But then that's where you can kind of go back to, okay, that talk test, which I think is really cool. I, I feel like I've heard something like that years ago, but it wasn't as specific as the 12 to 15. Mm. Um, like I, I feel like I heard back, back before I was coaching or anything like that. I, I feel like I heard something to the effect of to determine whether you're doing a moderate intensity or a high intensity workout, or in, in most cases, we're talking cardio. Um, if, if you have to catch your breath to talk to the person next to you, I think it was kind of like, okay, if you're running with somebody, you're getting into a high intensity run. If you're unable to carry on a conversation with that yes. person next to you, Correct. So exactly. similar. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, uh, the 12 to 15 words was, it came from a lot of research around, all right, so we're going to monitor these people's heart rates and see how many words they can string together. And they realized that within that range, it, it tends to be zone two of 12 to 15. Awesome. Yeah. The, the, uh, the research that's coming out lately is, is making me feel pretty concerned about my overall <laughs> activity <laughs> level, uh, with cardio specifically, man. Cause just like, um, I guess going back to what I talked about before, like there, there silver linings that are positives with how the world has changed. And then there are obviously negatives that come with it, but, uh, with working from home, like I have days where I struggle to get to 3000 steps a day. It's, it's really upset. I bought a step counter just to nothing crazy. Um, just a, you know, a little one that kind of hooks to the waistline, the pedometer, uh, or, or, or yeah, pedometer. Yeah. 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 Pedometer that, that hooks to, um, my waistline. And, um, I mean, Almost I did that for the beginning of the year and almost immediately I was, I was upset. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? It's, yeah. it's really shocking how little, how easy it is to take very few steps every yeah. day. Yeah. yeah. And I've even noticed, uh, depending on the workout that I did 
the day prior. Like if I do a heavy, robust leg day the day before, uh, if I'm squatting, the next day my step count is significantly lower than it would have been on average for the other days of the week. So that's yeah. kind of something you got to factor into it as well. That's a great point. That's a really good point. Yeah. So goal for this year uh, on my end is just walk around. My daughter loves uh, marching to this song called the dinosaur March. So <laughs> we've been doing that around the kitchen. I've been getting some extra steps in that way. I love that's, that. Yeah. That's awesome. Mike, Mike was telling me, cause Mike and I, in the past, literally in the past few days, since we saw that study and we were both blown away by it as well, randomly we'll, we'll text each other and be like, step count check, step count check. And, you know, Mike's in Minnesota where it's freezing right now. And so he doesn't want to be outside. So he's been in his basement just doing, he's like, he was telling me he was pretending like he was a quarterback or something in the NFL and just like doing all the, and he'll set the clock for 40 minutes and he'll either listen to a podcast or listen to music and just be in his basement and just move around to get more steps. I'm like, great. Like that's a great way to get more movement and you don't want to be outside. Yeah. That's dedication. I'll tell you that much. We, we talk about how crazy we must look to our neighbors because if the drapes are pulled open in the front of our house, they just, they probably can't, my daughter's short enough. My oldest daughter, she's only one and a half. She's short enough that they probably can't see her. Right. So they just see me and my wife doing circles around our house. <laughs> and like, they don't know that music is playing or anything. So right, right. yeah, Mike's in that Mike, Mike is smart doing? to do his in the basement where you can't see it. Um, that's funny though. Yeah. It's a, uh, so I'm in Pittsburgh and it's actually ice raining as we speak. It's been Jeez. cold and snow. So that that's that's definitely a, a hurdle to overcome as well. It's just like when it is that cold outside, how can you get creative and find new ways to move? Yeah, dude, it's it's free. It's man, I have under a thousand steps today. Mm. I, I have under a thousand. Steps. It's like and it's it's snowing in Texas and it's just a light dusting, but people freak out here when it does that. So what, I'm. <laughs> what part of Texas are you in? Dallas. Okay. Yeah. My, uh, I have a buddy who lives in Fort Worth and, uh, oh, nice. yeah, he says like once a winter there's, okay, he's from Pittsburgh and, and so he's used to snow, but he says once a winter, there's some very light amount of snow that just throws the city into chaos. Oh yeah. Dude, it's funny, like <laughs> No one is on the roads right now. And yeah. I grew up in Boston where, you know, there, we had tons of snow, so yeah. I'm fine with it, but literally no one is on the roads right now. <laughs> That's nuts. Um, Cool. Well, okay. So another thing I wanted to talk about was just that um, this is a time of year, beginning of February, where I feel like we're running into a decision point for a lot of people, a pivot point for a lot of people, because I think everybody probably knows the the cliche, right? The gyms fill up at the beginning of January. And then as January goes on, you kind of see that, you know, the, the attendance numbers drop. Yep. Um, so I'm curious to know from you, you know, are there strategies that, that you've, you've used with folks um, or messages that you've tried to pass along just to help people avoid that? Okay. If I got to the end of January and like, whatever my goal was, where I wanted to be, I'm not there. That decision point of like continuing to go and pursue it or just quit and get demotivated um, I, I don't know. I just feel like we're at that point right now for a lot of people. Yeah, this is exactly like, it's usually about two to three weeks in January. People are like, nah, <laughs> and then they call it quits. Yeah. Um, there are many reasons for it, but one of the biggest ones I found is just because people get really excited late 
late December, early January to set new goals. And like, I'm going to change new year, new me, I've got this. And they set these, these goals that are uh, completely and utterly unrealistic, like goals that I'm going to work out every single day. I'm never going to have any bad food. I'm going to like, and they just make these goals that are unsustainable. And when that happens, you know, two weeks in, like if I had to work out every single day for two weeks, I would quit as well. Like that's, that's too much. It's way more than I want to do. So I think one of the biggest things you can do is really understand that working out every day or six days a week, or even sometimes five days a week, it's, it's not only not necessary, but it can actually be detrimental if you're starting from scratch. And so I think uh, going into February and going into the rest of the year and the rest of your life, understanding, okay, how about you just start with working out two to three days a week? Like go to the gym two to three days a week. And, and a lot of people hear that and they think, but that's not going to do anything. Well, yeah, it's not going to do anything this month, but by the end of the year, if you, if you string together two to three days a week, every single week of workouts from February until the beginning of 2023, you're going to look different. Your, your health is going to be different. So people, the issue is that they, they want to achieve their goals as quickly as possible. And when the goal is to achieve it as quickly as possible, they do stupid shit like training, trying to work out every single day for hours a day and not having any bad foods, blah, 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 blah. It's like, listen, this is, you're not going to make any progress in a month. It's just not like it's in a month's time, you're not going to look radically different. You might see stuff on social media of someone, how they completely change their body in 30 days. It's like, number one, they probably altered those pictures with Photoshop, just to be honest, even if they didn't, they were, they did something so strict and so unsustainable. I'd love to see the picture of them, the 30 days after that second picture, see what they look like after that. Right. Cause they usually balloon right back up. They just use those pictures in order to sell more of whatever their program is. The reality is if you're doing something sustainable, you're not going to see crazy changes in a month. You will see significant changes in six months to a year and they're on after. So take the mindset away from rapid results and make it more about sustainable process. And then you're going to see a real, real improvement in your health. Yeah. That goes back to that pendulum of extremes thing you just mentioned, right? Yeah. The, the extremes are what people tend to gravitate towards in this goal setting season that we're in. Um, but it might not be the most effective approach. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think we're both kind of similar, uh, just, you know, I've followed you on social media for such a long time and I feel like we're both kind of similar in that, um, I've seen you push back a bit on just whatever the popular thing might be to say in the fitness industry at the time. Um, and, and I'm curious if there's anything, so an example of that could be like the 1200 calorie diet thing. Like so many people were saying you shouldn't be on 1200 calorie diets. And, and, and I think like, generally speaking, should most people be on one? No, but I, I remember you coming out and saying like, well, yeah, that's probably the case, but there are also people where that amount of calories, if you're very like, so if you're a very small female who eating 1200 calories may be the appropriate thing for that person to do, depending on what their goals are. Um, and I'm just curious if like, is there anything out there right now in the fitness industry that you're kind of pushing back on and trying to just, I guess, go back to pendulum of extremes again, right? Like, are you trying to level this thing out in any way, shape or form with anything? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've done this for a while, but I just saw a, a doctor post about how he literally wrote, and I'm not making this up. He literally made a post saying that fruit is poison. (laughs) 
And uh, there are many people who are, have been led to believe that they shouldn't eat fruit because the sugar in that fruit is going to make them fat and it's really bad for you. And um, I just, I lost my shit. I made a whole like angry video about it. And then I've been posting about it. My stories just joking about it. Just like what, like in what world has anyone ever gotten fat from eating fruit? And I got one person, like I got hundreds and thousands and thousands of replies. Like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Blah, blah, blah. But one woman was like, well, actually he has a point, you know, people, we, we have the obesity epidemic and people are eating way too much sugar. And I was like, you're right. The worldwide obesity epidemic is due to people gorging themselves on fruit. Like what, when did any, oh yeah, I really gained the last 50 pounds from fucking blueberries. Like what, <laughs> like, what are you talking about? It's it, so, so that's probably one of the biggest ones I've been pushing back on in, for, for a while now, but sometimes people I'll push back on that. And people will say, who's saying fruit makes you fat. Like no one's actually saying that. And like, there's a whole movement of people who say that, which is just, and there are doctors who believe that, which it's so funny. I know my mom, she's a baby boomer. She was born in, in, in the, in the fifties. And in her generation, you just took what doctors said at face value. They're a doctor. They're right. They're the doctor. They know. And I think now with social media and, and things being able people able to do their own research more readily on, on the internet and they can find things more easily than they could before people are realizing just because someone has a doctor in front of their name, doesn't mean they're always right. doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. Uh, it turned out that this doctor was actually a dentist and he has no nutrition background whatsoever. So the <laughs> fact that he's saying this, it's like, you have to clarify what kind of doc you are and what kind yeah. of education you have. Um, and so, so yeah, so that's probably been a big one. Also, I mean, obviously the, the cardio for sure is something I've been, people have been always touting. You don't need cardio. You don't need cardio. And to be fair, I used to say that when I was a younger coach, like you don't need cardio, just strength. And, and so a lot of the things I push back on are, are things that I realized that I had been wrong about in my past. Right. So a lot of the times when I push back on something, I'm really saying like, Hey, I may have said this in the past, but one of the things that I think is important as a coach and just as a person is recognizing when you were wrong, mm. when, when you were incorrect about something. And I, I've always very much believed that if you're not recognizing the things that you got wrong early on, then you're never actually going to get better. And I've also found that people end up trusting you more when you say like, hey, that was wrong. This is what I believe now because X, Y, and Z, uh, which ironically, you know, not to get political, but it's one of the things that people during the pandemic have gotten mad at, at scientists about when, when scientists are like, well, Hey, so, uh, I know we said this at the beginning, but actually we believe this now. And, um, and then people will be like, Oh, you're a fucking liar, fraud. Da, da, da. Like, and I'm like, do you not know how science works? It's like, right. this yeah. is when you don't know something like you, you make a statement, you study it, but then as more research comes out, you probably are going to change your opinion as like you learn more about it, which is what I do all the time with fitness. So I, I think for me, it's just about trying to better myself and realize the, the errors of my ways earlier in my career, correct them now. And I'm sure I'll do it again as I continue to grow in the industry. So that's, that, that leads me to want to ask you this. I, I feel like people ask this question a lot about a lot of different things, but like, you know, if you could take a piece or two of the knowledge that you have now and apply it back to when you started with fitness, what would that be like? What, what do you think would be most beneficial to maybe help you avoid some of the mistakes that you ran into or the hurdles that you had to overcome back then? I, I mean, I definitely would, it would go back and change how I, how I portrayed cardio early mm -hmm. on, that would be number one. I would include more cardio in all of my clients programming. Um, 
uh, like without question, that'd probably be the biggest one from the perspective of overall health long-term for my clients. I also think, and something that I, that I used to do when I was really young is I wouldn't take on clients who didn't want to count their calories because I was like, if you're serious about this, then you're going to track for at least a short period of time. And later on in my career, I realized I'm actually, I'm not helping people who need help just because they're not willing to do this. And granted, even though I do think it's a mistake, my job as a coach is to come up with ways to help everybody. And so that's when I came up with different methods for helping people lose weight without necessarily tracking their calories, like my three plates, two snacks method and blah, 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 blah. So I think if I could go back to earlier in my career, it would have been like, listen, don't deny someone the opportunity to work with you because they won't fit into your method. You should try to broaden your idea of, of how to help people, try to come up with new strategies earlier on so that even if they don't necessarily track their calories, you can still help them even if they're not doing that specific way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah, it's funny you say that too because one of the uh, most popular pieces of content I actually have is how to, what is it? It's, a, it's a, how to know if you're in a calorie deficit without counting calories. Like a yeah. lot of people- just are, they, they don't want to, no matter how much you explain to them, like this is adding seven to 10 minutes to your day to track. Yeah. yeah. No matter how much you, you try and paint that picture, just some people really do not want to do that. Um, and, uh, just cause they don't want to do that. doesn't mean that they can't still make the progress that they're looking for. It may not be as dialed in. It may not be as exact. It may not be as easy to figure out and navigate, but you can get there. Unfortunately, a lot of people have demonized calorie counting and and they've that that's why I think so many people are vehemently against it when they've never even tried it. Right. It's like, there's no reason to be vehemently against something that you've never tried unless you've been led to believe that it's bad or wrong. Right. It's like, no one is born being like, fuck calorie counting. Like no one is born that way. They're taught, (laughs) they're taught that And, and they're taught by people who don't know better. And so what I found is that there are some people who calorie counting is better suited for, but there's no reason why no one should be able to do it for even just seven days. It would change their life forever, even if they just did it for seven days. And I found that by accepting clients who weren't willing to calorie count and starting them off with something else, they actually ended up counting their calories later on, even in little bits, maybe not as meticulously as they could have, but like, oh, you know what? Like, I'm going to see how many calories this has when they never would have done that before. And if I had never accepted them into their, my program because they said, I don't want to count calories, maybe they never would have gotten to that point. Mm-hmm. But by taking them on and, and introducing them slowly and surely, they eventually got to the point where they started to track at least in little bits and, and pieces so they could learn more about it. So um, it's not necessary and it's not essential, but it is very, very helpful. And it's important for people to realize if they're vehemently against it and they've never tried it, it's because of what they've been told, not because there's actually anything wrong with it. Yeah. I feel like I've seen a decent amount of, uh, you know, tracking can lead to disordered eating. And I think a lot of it is, I mean, that, that, how can you paint with such a broad brush? It's very person specific and you need to navigate and figure out, okay, is it right for you as an individual? Um, but you also have to look at the other side of that coin and say, okay, if you're in a situation where you are needing or wanting to make a change, lose weight, do something like that. Um, what, how, how were, was your process beforehand something that was productive and would it be more productive to try something new? Correct. It's like saying, you know, 
people who snowboard are going to break their ankle. So you might as well not snowboard. <laughs> like, well, some of them might break their ankle, but who knows? Maybe they were being an idiot and they like, they, they jumped off of a huge jump the first time they went and they landed wrong or who knows, maybe it was just an accident. They broke their ankle and that happened, but not everyone's going to break their ankles. And I bet that when they did break their ankle, they probably learned something from it and then figured out how to get better at it. So it's like, yeah, for some people who count calories, maybe they're doing something in a really stupid way. Maybe they're they're tracking and trying to weigh and measure their spinach leaves. But yeah, if you're if you're trying to weigh and measure your spinach leaves and literally you can't go out to dinner with your friends and family without bringing your food scale, that's not a calorie counting problem. That's a your behavioral problem. And you need to learn to be more flexible with it. Yeah. It's like no one is saying you need to do this at every single meal and weigh every single like your your tomato seed. Like that's not <laughs> what we're talking about. So it, it's how they do it, not necessarily the act of doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jordan, this has been awesome, man. I really appreciate your time, uh, hopping on and just chopping it up. I, uh, I, I have two more questions that maybe aren't as fitness specific for cool. you. Let's do okay. it. Was, I did see the sugar post. Was that your official return to TikTok? And are you going to just be living there now with the rest of us? I, I think I'm going to be on TikTok more frequently. I, I'm okay. going to, I'm starting a new series uh, born out of a Q and A on Instagram where someone was like, you should take fitness equipment and, uh, like any, whatever fitness equipment, fitness equipment you think is good, fitness equipment you think is bad and do reviews of it. And so I've already ordered, I got a shake weight. I've got, uh, I've got a couple other pieces of equipment that I think were actually delivered today and I'm going to be doing videos of them. And the way that it looks like Instagram has changed its feed, it looks like it's, it's basically just TikTok at this yeah, point. Yeah. So if I'm going to make a new video for Instagram, I'll just post it on TikTok as well. So yeah, I'll yeah. be there for sure. Nice. Nice. I saw, <laughs> I saw that. I opened the app and you were there talking about this guy and just laying into him. And I was like, <laughs> what a reintroduction. That was, that was the way to come back. That was awesome. Um, okay. Last thing, this is not fitness related at all, but I have heard you on your podcasts a few times recently talk about the office. Oh, and I, I am just a unbelievably huge office fan. So when I hear you mention that on your podcast, I get super excited about it. Cause it's just, I think it's the greatest show ever. Um, I want to know if there's a favorite quote or a favorite episode that you have or oh. anything like that. And before I'll give you a little bit of time to think of yours. I have share. It Yeah. You tell me yours. Mine is, I think there is no greater moment in TV history. And by greater, I mean more uncomfortable than the Scott's Tots episode. <laughs> I can't watch that episode, bro. I can't watch it. It's so <laughs> You're right. It's the most uncomfortable. I'm because I, I rewatch the series all the time. It's like yeah. it's always on, and I will skip that episode deliberately. <laughs> it's no longer fun for me anymore. I'm just like, oh god, like every time. It's it's a genius episode, but it's yeah. like I get knots in my stomach when I watch it. It is it is painful to watch, but like when he tries to give them batteries as like a consolation prize, <laughs> I just that is so funny and so painful at the same time. I love it. I love it. One of my favorite scenes, I, there are so many, it's hard to pick just one, but one of my all-time favorite scenes, because one of the things I love is, is really, I think it's actually a very underrated part of the show is the acting. And some of the acting is just so unbelievably good. It, it's remarkable. And, and specifically, uh, 
with Steve Carell playing Michael Scott. And it, it leads to one of my all time favorite scenes when he's talking with um, uh, his boss, which geez, what's his boss's name? How can I, am I forgetting this right now? David, uh, Wallace. David Wallace. He's talking with David Wallace. He's in David Wallace's office and David is trying to figure out what he's doing so well at his branch. And Michael is surprised. He thought like that it was like he was going to get reprimanded or something. And he's like, what are you doing well? And Michael just goes off on this, like, you know, David, it really comes down to, I will never for any reason <laughs> under any circumstance. And, and he just goes off, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Whoever for whatever. And, <laughs> and every time I watch that, I'm just like, he is a genius yeah. with the delivery. And it's just, it's unbelievable to me. And, and that scene gets me every single time. I want to memorize that and, and do my own scene <laughs> with it. But like, God, it's, it's one of the greatest moments in TV history. Yeah, that is a really good one. That is a really, really good one. And is that the one where like afterwards they do his little confessional thing and he says like, sometimes I start a sentence and I don't know where it's going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> He's like, I just improv it. <laughs> yeah, I have, to, I have to figure it out as I go along. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. That's awesome. Uh, sweet. Well, Jordan, thanks, man. Again, I appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, bro. You're a great host. I appreciate you. Uh, where can people uh, find you if they want to just follow along, uh, especially on TikTok, right? Where can they find you? Yeah, uh, Syatt Fitness, S-Y-A-T-T Fitness. Or if you Google my name, Jordan Syatt, you will you'll find me on every platform. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Jordan. Appreciate it. Thanks, man.